0: It's the Creator
1: Spaces Show. Everyone that's doing Ship 30 is so happy to jump on a call to talk about professional stuff, but also just to be friends.
0: And so is this the beginning of your journey as a creator? Would you consider yourself a creator before you joined Ship 30?
1: I had actually started the podcast in 2020. So I had been a creator before, but then I got a lot of stuff to do, just a lot of work stuff. And then the podcast was on the back burner. And now with Chip 30, it's become a normal thing I do. Just like in the same way that I take a shower every day, I write my essay every day. And because of that, interestingly enough, I'm much more disciplined about the podcast too.
0: You've got the podcast you're writing every day now. Could you walk me through what you create and how your workflow goes throughout a week to get it all done?
1: Lately, actually, I've been writing the essay last thing at night, which might actually go counter to what I just said. But weirdly enough, it's helping me sleep better. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's a peace of mind. I did what I said I was going to do. Now I sleep well. Yeah, It's almost like a journaling of sorts. But as far as the day-to-day, maybe it's reaffirmed my being a creator in the sense that I write my essay every day. I am a podcaster. That's part of my identity. Whereas before I was like, I'm a coder, I'm a software guy. I also have a podcast. But now it's no, I'm totally both. And it's totally legit to be both. And I guess I don't have this imposter syndrome anymore. That's huge, actually. (laughs)
0: How did you start building your audience even though you did have that sort of imposter syndrome?
1: So, in the beginning, what really helped me was just thinking basically, it's just my mom and my girlfriend reading this. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That really took out the pressure. I still keep seeing whatever handful of people reading my stuff, which by now actually it's more people, more than that. But at the end of the day, I'm just insignificant. Like even Seth Godin, one of the top marketing experts on this planet, even this guy says, look, I have some reach. If I succeed in getting to 1% of all Americans, then I would consider that a huge success. So then I'm like, look, I'm just like this little grain of salt. I don't want to say obviously I'm insignificant because I'm not. But basically, I have unlimited upside and no downside. And that's the beauty of it. Because whether I offend whatever 50 or 100 people reading my stuff, I don't have to be politically correct. I can just try out stuff. And like, I just tried out some stuff. It got like almost no likes. But then other stuff, it goes through the roof. And I'm like, okay, great. This one thing has 6,000 impressions. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's my answer. Unlimited upside and no downside.
0: You are a developer or an engineer. Yeah. I'm really fascinated to know, have you spent much time thinking about how you could use some of those skills in your creation and audience building to help you expand? Or have you started to use any of that software skill?
1: Yeah, so since I'm really into health on the one hand and using technology for better health, like a hipster term these days is biohacking. And then on the other side, I'm really into this whole decentralized stuff that I'm happy to go into properly. The whole privacy, blockchain, and the whole why this is important. So those are like my two areas. And I'm actually right now exploring an app I want to make, which is mostly to scratch my own itch, actually. But also, I think there's potentially demand here for others. It's basically for desk workers that have back pain. It's a bunch of short exercises they can do. I want to make this together with a physiotherapist friend of mine to just have this 10 minute a day sort of sequence for people to relieve back pain. So the way I want to do this is rather than just jumping into making an app that then five people end up using. I actually tweeted about this too, as far as making products in general, whether it's physical econ products or software, you want to verify demand prior to investing. So what I'm going to do for this is I'm just going to put up a landing page, tweet about it. But much more importantly, also I'm going to get maybe $200 worth of Facebook ads and drive cold traffic that doesn't know me. Because of course, my followers on Twitter are like my friends they're likely to say, yeah, this is a great idea. This is fantastic. I will totally buy this. And then they don't, and they don't want to hurt your feelings. So you want to actually ask a cold audience, which is just like a fancy way of saying people that don't know you.
0: So I want to recommend if you missed the interview with Keevan Rourke, he walks through his entire process for using Facebook ads to get subscribers for his newsletter. Nice. He's been getting those at about 50 cents a subscriber. So it might be cheaper to build the newsletter to the product and then sell to that if you can maintain that sort of pricing.
2: So question for Gabriel, you mentioned about this really cool idea about uh, posture in relation to the workplace. And I was just thinking in relation to my work setup at the moment, my company does not allow us to install apps on our work devices. So a question would be, would you consider implementing your product or service as a Chrome extension for people to install on their browsers?
1: Oh, okay. Basically, I was thinking as a mobile app, so you have it everywhere with you on your personal phone, and it walks you through the 10-minute exercises for you to do every day to ease in or relieve your back pain. Does that make sense?
2: It does, yes. I was just thinking from the point of view that within my particular workplace, they have about a dozen different Chrome extensions that they use for performance tracking and various different things. But in terms of building that into your break times or making a business justification for engaging with this five to 10 minute exercise or whatever it is that you're going to try and create a habit for, it then becomes something that the company can actually look at and say, hey, we have a business case for ergonomics or allowing people to set aside that time in their daily schedules for this.
1: I like the way you're thinking, Matt. That way you can justify it as a business expense and make it B2B. In
0: the U.S., there's health insurance plans for corporations that get additional benefits based on the wellness of the employees. And Mm -hmm. if you can get an app like that into a wellness program with an insurance company, it will sell like gangbusters.
1: Yeah, thank you for opening up my eyes to that.
0: Obviously, building this app is part of your monetization strategy as a creator. What else do you do now to make money? How do you actually pay your bills? What is your primary source of (laughs) revenue? And then what are all the little side hustles you're doing to uh, monetize this creator thing?
1: Yeah, so right now, I basically write software for money. As a freelancer, yes. Mostly doing front-end development in React. And this is right now my main source of income. It is a great source of income, but it is my only one, and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> the good thing is I'm a young single dude, so my monthly burn is low. I don't need a lot of money to pay my bills. Berlin is cheap, but I need income streams. And so certainly the podcast will help me with this because right now, I guess I'm losing money on the podcast because I have someone that's helping me with the editing that I'm outsourcing and with the social media nuggets. So te- technically, I'm losing money on the podcast. Do you
0: have a plan to turn that around?
1: In the long term, it will lead to something good. I know this, but in the short and medium term, I don't have to monetize because, again, I'm making enough money as it is. And, again, I can go months without an income if I want to. That's not a problem at all.
0: You're now the third creator of Ask This Question To, and every time the emphasis has been on I make my money somewhere else and I create to grow this because I know it will pay off in the future. Stop me if I'm crazy on this, but it seems like becoming a creator is the freelancer's answer to building a business around themselves without growing into an agency or a consultancy or one of the other service businesses.
1: That is, wow. I'm going to have to tweet that. You've nailed it. This is how you productize as a freelancer. You're right. By growing an audience. Awesome.
0: What's your current goal right now as a creator? What's your next big step?
1: So my next big step over the next three months, A, write up half a dozen long form essays, articles that outline my vision, my worldview, my life philosophy, if you will. And then the other thing for me is right now I'm recording two to three podcasts a week. I wanna keep it at this pretty steep pace so that then in two to three months time, I can focus a bit less on the podcast because I'll have a lot episodes in the tank and then i want to get into coding up like a micro sass of sorts as a site hustle to start monetizing yeah
0: awesome what is your north star metric for success
1: To be fulfilled in my day-to-day work, which means I can be short-term unhappy. That's okay. If I have a deadline, for instance, or I just have a bad day or two or three, that's okay. But if I have multiple bad weeks or even months, then I know something is off and for me it's really important i quit so many jobs and even study courses at university because they were making me miserable and uh, no amount of money no amount of work recognition prestige is worth being miserable i do realize i am privileged i am like a white dude with a good education in a first world country and i realize not everyone has this like yeah. won the lottery yeah. exactly
0: So your North Star metric is am I enjoying what I do, which I think speaks to the passion economy phrasing. It's the goal, I think, of most of us as creators.